0: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the OKR's Q&A podcast, also known as the OKR Corral, where OKR Insight is the king. I'm your host, Tim Meinhart, president and CEO of Atruity, an OKR consultancy headquartered in Washington, D.C., We are so thrilled today to take a little different twist on OKRs and have a discussion about sports, goal setting, and life lessons in today's challenging times with an Emmy award-winning sportscaster and beloved Washington, D.C. sports figure, Chick Hernandez. In sports, goal setting, adjustments, perseverance, and love of purpose drives athletes and coaches. Chick provides insight and stories about some of the world's most famous athletes and himself as they perfected their crafts while making themselves legends in sports. Everyone, it is my sincere pleasure to introduce Mr. Chick Hernandez. Welcome to the program. Thank you, appreciate it. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what drove you into broadcasting.
1: Uh, Well, geez, how much time do you have? Um... About myself, local kid from uh, born in Washington D.C., raised in Silver Spring. The product of a single uh, parent home, my mother, um, who raised me, uh, and I miss her to this day. Lost her ten years ago, but she instilled in me uh, a great work ethic. She was worked in the phone company for CMP, Ma Bell, Verizon. One of the few ladies that uh, when they made when they tried to move the women out of of the business they said all right you guys have to start climbing poles you know as as the men do and they tried to weed out the women and i just remember this is a long story so i'll try to cut it down um i remember she said to me what am i going to do because i don't think i can do that and i said to her well, what is it that you always tell me i was a quarterback in high school and junior college football i'm five six so i'm diminutive by football standards
0: you're a big and I said
1: what do you always tell me when I'm faced with those things I had the same questions can I do this I knew I had the arm I knew I had the brain but gosh my size I might get killed and she would always tell me well you have to figure out a way you have to figure out a way and you need to pick out someone who can help you so I'd said exactly as she said it out loud she realized yeah that's the answer And so she found a guy who respected her and they went off site and she learned how to climb these telephone poles. So when the day came and I was there for it, when the day came, they brought all the people out and the guys who didn't want her, there were like this, you know, had their arms folded, kind of waiting. And when they said go and she went brrr, up the tree, up the uh, pole, the, the mouths were agape. Like what just happened? And it was like uh, Jerry Hernandez just happened. That's what happened. And so I, the, the way I, that's how I was raised and and so i have in my mind overachieved um what i think people thought i could do sometimes myself um and i i just you know i i feel like i was born to do to be a sportscaster i don't you know, i'm not the smartest uh person um, at least that's the way I feel about it. You know, when it comes to business and everything else, I didn't take business classes at university of Maryland. I took radio TV and film classes because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to get reps in the classes, like the, the physical TV one-on-one class was a bunch of projects. And every time somebody said, I need somebody, my hand was up, like, yeah, I'm in, I'm going to do this. Cause I need to get reps in front of the camera. Um, and kind of it set me up for what was to come. So. That's me in a nutshell. Don't do the uh, Ron Burgundy joke, but that's me in a nutshell. I, um, uh, I, I love the business. Uh, I have made some mistakes for sure, and, but I have succeeded and, and provided for my family. I've got a lovely wife and three kids, two in college, one's graduated. So, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's me.
0: Thank you for sharing that. That's a terrific story. And you and I have talked about that before, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought it up. You know, goal setting and team goal setting are the foundation for objectives and key results, OKRs. And this is the methodology we place into organizations. And I thought it would be so exciting today to speak to you because you've had the opportunity uh, over your career to interview some of today's most amazing sports superstars and championship organizations. And I would just really, allow my audience to hear from you just a few short stories and insights about goal setting and team goal setting as it's related to both these superstars and mm-hmm. championship organizations.
1: Well, you know what's unique, Tuna, and I'll call you Tuna for those who don't know your nickname, um, is... Uh, I'm
0: better than Matt than Tim, actually, so I yes. feel more comfortable. Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And I don't know how folks know how you got Tuna. I like to know that myself. I don't know how the nickname came, so maybe you had to need to share that with your audience. Um <laughs> I would say um, it's interesting because we've met each other through golf and if there's one athlete who is absolutely cryptic about goal setting, it's golfers, um, professional golfers, PGA sure. Tour. You can't get them to tell you what their goals are at the beginning of the season. They'll say, well, I've got goals. Well, what are they? Well. I've got goals like they don't they don't share them, which is kind of odd to me because I guess it's really numbers based or wins based and they don't want to be called back on it later on. But teams and individuals certainly uh, are more forthcoming football guys. You know, you talk to running backs You know, back in the day. Uh, John Riggins didn't have a goal other than to, to win. That's all he cared about. Um, I look at Alfred Morris, a young running back for the, for the Redskins, six round pick who wasn't expected to do anything. And his goal was to get me touches. If I continue to be productive, I'm gonna get touches. And he was a, at his, again, diminutive size was a workhorse uh, for the Washington football team. They've changed their name. Um, uh, So individually, I I look at uh, people like uh, local star, Dominique Dawes, gymnast who's a a, a several time uh, gold medalist. Um, My sister grew up with Dominique. Um, my sister was a gymnast as well. And so at the age of really five and six, I'm the one taking them home after gym practice. Uh, the Kelly Kelly Hill was the, their coach in Wheaton, Maryland, um, and then eventually Gaithersburg. But it was watching these young ladies, I mean, train for hours after school, right? It was these hours after school. And then in the summertime, when there's no school, they would go almost like football guys, two-a-days almost. Um, but, you know, I know Dominique set goals uh, in, in, in competition, you know, right? It was, you know, to reach this level, to win this event, which springs, springboards me. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, the, the, the simplest one is Joe Jackson Gibbs, Hall of Fame football coach. Yeah. Who, his sole goal, and it sounds so trite, but it's so freaking simple. Get better each day with his team. And if he could get his team to be better each day, then by the time it was game time, they were really set up for success. And I think that gets lost in today. People and social media, I'm guilty of, you know, going off, flying off the handle and, and thinking of the things. Um, if you think about it, if you break it down to that, that, to get better, it's really, it works. All the time, like 100% of the time, if you if you get better each day, you're going to have a great chance at achieving what you ultimately want. And I think we lose sight of that. We have lost sight of that. We've lost sight of that as individuals. You've lost sight of that as a nation. I don't want to get too, you know, maudlin here. Um, but it's simple. And for me, watching these athletes, watching, hearing Joe Gibbs say that out loud, at first when you hear it, you're like, okay, get better each day. And then when you start to think about it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. And there's a goal there is to get better each day. And geez, if, if, if on off day Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're getting better each day. Then come Sunday, they're so prepared for success. And for him, I mean, three Super Bowl titles with three different quarterbacks uh, and was known for his halftime adjustments, right?
0: Right. So while
1: he got better, while they got better each day, he's preparing for what's going to happen, what that change needs to be. So when he came in at halftime, he had a plan. And most of the time the plan was really well scripted. You know, here's what they're doing. Here's what we're not doing, blah, blah. Um, And every now and again, uh, Brian Mitchell, my, uh, my good friend, former running back, would tell the story of, you know, Joe walked into the locker room one day and just chucked something against the the chalkboard and it, and it shattered and they were stunned and they'd never seen Joe show that much emotion. Um, but Joe knew that that was needed in that instance. Uh, and I think he was probably prepared if I know Joe Gibbs, he was probably prepared to do that. It wasn't like just fly off the handle. It was, I need something. And uh, I, I think the message is not getting in. So let me go this route. Uh, so I, I think it really boils down to that um, is to get better each day. is, is kind of my credo now. And, and as you know, you see me, I mean, while you're playing your 18 holes of golf, who's the guy on the, on the range or in the short game area, I'm trying my darndest to get as good as you um, and, and a bunch of the great guys at the club. And I don't have the, the set of skills that you guys have. So I've got to, get better each day, at some of the small things, in order to even compete.
0: Well, um, so, Chick, a couple of quick takeaways from that, which, and thank you for sharing that. You know, it, it's amazing to me sometimes how simple a phrase can be, mm-hmm. and yet how inspiring it can become. Uh, OKR's methodology is about setting an objective that inspires you, all right, and for your organization as a whole. Right. And then you mentioned halftime adjustments. All right, um, what a what a fantastic uh, description of what we would call agile methodology. So it's agile. So we've got to adjust. Hey, this is what's going on in our world, and we make those adjustments on the fly. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beauties of OKRs is they reset every quarter. So they reset at halftime. Right. And um and so those are two great great examples and thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. And by the way, you're a heck of a golfer, okay? So don't 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 sell yourself short.
1: Oh, short jokes, great. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> I said you were a tall five-six, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so so Chick, what makes the special athletes so unique in their not only their, their personal goal setting, but their will and drive to accomplish.
1: It's a Great question. Um, I, if I knew the true answer, then I'd be one of those people. Um, I look at, you know, Tiger Woods, who I, I, for some reason have a relationship with, um, uh, you know, it's funny people in my business like when when tiger was first announcing that his tournament was coming here um they gave us five minutes with him uh when he had his national press conference then they, the national press club down in dc they gave each of the local sportscasters five minutes and i watched as my colleagues who were getting ready were like biting fingernails and very nervous about it i'm like what are you doing what, what's what's the problem and they said well, it's tiger woods and i guess maybe because i worked in augusta georgia uh, and, and my only interview I was ever nervous for was Jack Nicholas. I'd gotten through that. So I just, Tiger was Tiger's great, great golfer. Um, but he's just a golfer and, and I'm approaching it that way. And I literally, the, in, in the, interview, uh, we were both wearing basically the same suit, purple, gray tie, uh, purple top, purple tie, purple shirt, gray suit. And when he sat down, I said, that's a nice ensemble. And he wasn't making eye contact. He just wasn't even looking. And I'm like waiting for a reaction because it was kind of a funny line and finally he looked up and he's like oh I get it and I said man you're quick at which point all of his people were like what did he just say like I took a shot at him which I did but at that moment boom Tiger knew I've got a smart aleck in the chair with me and from that point forward we had this he loves to 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 needle his guys and I became one of those guys he could needle and I could needle him Um, so but I look at a guy like that, and he's the quintessential competitor, right? He's a guy who you felt like he literally willed the ball in the hole, um, on the putting green or made a shot that you and I would think there's just no chance. I'm taking this angle. I'm taking this attempt and he's moving balls 50 yards right and left. Um, I say that to say that those are shots that weren't the first time for him. Uh, he worked at those, you know, ahead of time. He knew how to set his club in the right position or how to move his body and his, that would at least get what he thought was the desired result. Um, so you look at guys like that who practiced, you know, everybody thought that that Earl Woods was, the, was the, the the driving force. But it was Eldrick who would ask his father, can we go practice today on, on a regular basis? That was the, that was the MO, wasn't the, let's go kid. It was dad, can you, we, we got to go. So he was the one that was in that was in him. Um, so you you talk about uh, the will of of, of an athlete. Um, I, I just think they're impressive. They they think on a different level, um, and it really is about what you want. Uh, what is it that you want? Uh, what's your why? You know, we've heard that phrase now. What's your why? Robert Griffin III used to love to say that when he was the real. What's your why? Know your why. Know your why. Well. I think these athletes who are successful know their why. Um, and it goes into business everything else. You know, what is it that you want? I, for me personally, uh, when I got in the business, I wanted to entertain. Um, I'm not a numbers guy. You know, People would come up to me on the street and go, hey, my, you, my son should be a sportscaster because he knows the stats on the 1978 Bullets team. Great. I don't, and I would like, I'm probably a little bit of a jerk, like, okay, well, you know, have him call me in 10 years when he's old, but that's not what I did. Um, I interned under Glenn Brenner and James Brown, uh, two, what I feel are legends in the business. James Brown just got elected into the uh, Broadcaster Hall of Fame yesterday, by the way. Um, And Glenn Brenner was the funniest human on TV. Uh, And we had a similar sense of humor even as an intern, he knew it, and I knew it uh, in our in our in our dealings with each other. Um, I, I wanted to entertain, and my goal has always been that if the the husband and the wife want to watch me, then I've done my job. I don't want just the, the the schmo sitting on the couch, you know, scratching his belly watching. I want the wife to go. I I got to watch chick today. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Um, and so those are, you know, that's. The, the, that's my will, that's my why. And for athletes, you know, it's, you it can know be that. a number of things. They want to be uh, at a financial level, uh, or they want to be at a, at a, a level where they dominate their opponent in, in, or team. Um, mm-hmm. I think each individual, it's different, um, but there are certainly similarities as uh, how they go about getting it.
0: Fantastic. Um, you've done some really, really terrific interviews, Chick. Um, Thank you. Share with our audience what you thought was the one that was most impressive and what made it so special to you.
1: All right, so I've talked to, like I said, I've, I've done Jack Nicholas at Augusta. It was my first time, first and only time I've been uh, nervous uh, during an interview. I had called my predecessor, uh, Sam Crenshaw, I was at the CBS station in Augusta. I said, Hey, what's the key to interviewing Jack Nicholas? He said, You have to ask a question that's engaging. Don't ask him how he found the course. Cause I'll tell you with this car and look at you and you're dead, you're done. And don't ask him, you know, don't say, uh, how'd you find the course? Uh, what, what club worked for you? Cause the guys won, you know, how many majors 18. Yeah. So that's a stupid question. So I asked him about weightlifting and he was engaged and that was it. But my most impressive interview, I think the one that has left a mark on me and a double mark on me is Bobby Mitchell hall of famer, wow. um, who I've known. And we just, he just passed away this past April. Mm-hmm. I've known him, him and his wife, Gwen for, for, I've been in the market for, since 1994, but I was there before that, 1987. Um, so I've known of Bobby, and when I covered the Redskins, and we had to travel with the team uh, on their plane once or twice, I was told, don't eat the Snickers. And I was like, what? Because if you're going to get a meal and some Snickers, don't eat the Snickers. You'll find out why. I'm like, oh, Okay. And lo and behold, I didn't touch the Snickers. And then after the meal, about a half hour later, comes Bobby Mitchell walking down the aisle and he's got a bag and everybody's just tossing Snickers. And I'm going, so what, Bobby's got a sweet tooth? Like, no, 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 no. He takes the candy. And once he gets back home, he goes to a kid's home and he makes sure that these kids have, you know, uh, a treat. I thought, okay, that's very cool. Then I sat down with Bobby a few years ago for Black History Month. And I will tell you, Tuna, as I sit here, I wish the interview had gone longer. And to this day, I, I when I look at the producer for that show, I just go, "You, you, you screwed up." Because we sat it in our studio, and I know what he's accomplished. You know, he's a Hall of Famer, first black player for the Washington Football Team franchise, uh, which was you know uh, the last one to integrate for you know, because of an owner who was racist, didn't want to have a black player on his team. He was a guy who was a flanker. Uh, N.A. running back, University of Illinois, uh, drafted by the baseball Cardinals. He was that good of an athlete. Uh, He was better in track than he was in football. Uh, All of that. Those are the physical accomplishments. He was dominant, never caught less than 58 passes uh, with the Redskins. Uh, Just ridiculous athlete. And then he starts telling the story of coming up and what he had to deal with. We've heard stories before. What he had to deal with, you know, as a black man. Uh, playing high school ball, college football, and even in the NFL as a seventh uh, seventh round pick for the Cleveland Browns and the racism that he faced. Uh, so you imagine going to play for your college team and they drive into town and, uh, sorry, you, you can't eat here. You can't bring your team here or tell that guy to sit on the bus because he's not allowed in here. And I can't fathom that, Duna. I can't, and I've I've dealt with racism. I've dealt with death threats when I worked in Augusta, Georgia. That's on a phone, I'm not even, you know, I haven't really dealt with it face to face like that. Um, And the stories, Rock's being thrown out while he's playing. I mean, come on, you know, and to come through that and always with such class, right, Mm -hmm. To, to, to not be angry, to, to, to turn the other cheek and to go, I can't. Basically, I said I can't deal with other people's stupidity. I can't help them. All I can do is honor my parents and how they raised me. Um, and when I'm sitting there listening to him, and my, I got the chills in my arm, and my producer says, "You know, we got to wrap this up." I just I look at the camera like, "You've got to be crapping me," you know. But we literally were on a time crunch because it was a it was a hour show, and he was a good chunk of it, but there was so much more. So I think. For me, that was the most impressive, and I told him every time I saw him afterwards. One that I apologize that maybe went short, and I did what I do with uh, John Thompson the second. I always literally, literally or figuratively kissed the ring. I genuflect, grab his hand, and he just says, "Oh, cut that out, right?" But it was like you know, that's what
0: that's that was that was my guy. Wow, that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What challenges, Chick, did you overcome in your broadcasting career? Uh, and speaking of that, and what is your best success story to date?
1: Uh, let's see here. Um, well, the challenges were, you know, when I came into the business, minorities weren't getting a whole lot of, of, of jobs. So literally when I was in college, I, my, my given name is Carlos Hernandez. Um, and I shortened my name to Carl. Hearn. So I just t- basically took off the ends of, of both names because I thought Carl Hearn might get a job in the business, not Carlos Hernandez. And that was really true. Um, and then when I got my first job, uh, I literally walked into the office and said, hi, my name's Carl Hearn. Somebody said, are oh, you Chick Hearn's a legitimate kid? Chick Hearn was a famous Lakers broadcaster. And I, the, my reaction to that line was like, really, dude, really? Right. Uh, and because they saw how it bothered me, they kept calling me Chick. And then like a month I'm in, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I can keep, I can't be Chick Hearn because there's already the legend, but I can be Chick Hernandez and I can bring my name back and my mama be happy. Um, so the struggles started there. Um, and like I said, when I went to Augusta, Georgia, my first real job away from home uh, as a single dude and the first week on the air, it's, it's Market 112. It's a small market. I was at the CBS station. But I love I loved my three years there. But the first month was hellish. I got told by a guy who lost the job to me that the only reason I got the job is because I'm black. He said it out loud. I was like, so he's my weekend guy now. I'm like, wow. Did he just say what I think he said? You know? And I'm like, but again, I didn't know him well enough, so I just I just like, oh, okay. If you'd have said it now, he might get a you know five knuckles in the in the in the jaw. Um, but I literally, the, the phone rang in the station and somebody said, uh, I picked up the phone because you pick up the phone when you're in a small market. And I said, hi, well, hello, WRDW. He goes like, oh, yeah, it's Chick Hernandez. I go, you got him. He goes, Hey Chick, uh, how long are you going to be there? I said, well, I mean, I get off the air at 1130, I'll probably be home, you know, about half an hour after that. He goes, no, I mean, how long are you going to be in town? I said, well, I don't know. I just got here. He goes, well, I suggest you leave sooner rather than later, or I'm going to kill your black blank. Oh, boom. Mm. And I put the phone down. Obviously my face showed that I was a bit stunned and my news anchor, who is for folks in the DC area, he's like the Gordon Peterson of Augusta, Rick Sykes, uh, who's from Augusta. He walks over, he goes, you okay? I said, I, I just got a death threat. And he said, what'd they say? I said, well, they said they were gonna kill me. I'm like He goes, because of your color? I go, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm a white guy from Augusta i get the same damn calls my people are stupid don't worry about it he kind of set me let me relax a little bit uh but that's that was kind of the struggles that i went through um but i gotta tell you i've been blessed um because literally i haven't had to work too hard to get jobs i was in college larry michael the former voice of the redskins also a maryland alum he came and talked at our school he Basically, offered me a job as a as a producer for his radio uh, shows uh, right then and there because of the questions I asked. He's like, you know, you got a head on your shoulders, good head. Let me let me let me ask ask if you want to do this, and I did that. Um, and then, not too long after that, this Lu Sports News Network started up, which was what ESPN News is now. They did it before then, and they were looking for people, and I applied and I got the job as a just as a peon. I mean, I was doing what they called Chiron coordinator. Um, and I literally would work the overnight shift 12 to eight in the morning. And then I was supposed to go home, but that's when the morning crew showed up. And so, and the anchors and I would hang out with them. So I was there from 12. AM shift over at 8. AM I was there till 6 PM. I would hang out with the anchors, listen to them, talk with them picked their brains. And then the executive said, who is this dude who keeps talking their language basically? And I grew up watching TV Glenn Brenner, George Michael, Frank Herzog, all of it. And they offered me a job to be on air. And I went, well, wait a second. I can't, I want to be on air, but I haven't done it. They said, well, you, you speak the language and they said, well, we're going to have you rehearse. I rehearsed. I got the job when they went bankrupt, not because of me, um, I sent out one tape and that tape was to Augusta, Georgia and Augusta hired me. And then from Augusta at three years, I was ready to go anywhere else in the country. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting tired of this slow place life. So pick slow paced life. And I sent a tape on a whim to Fox five because my buddy, uh, had heard on the radio that Gus Johnson was leaving. So I sent a tape Steve Buckhance it brings me in for an interview. They fly me up. I interview four days later they offered me the job as the weekend guy i'm like you gotta be kidding me i'm going home and that's i did that for six years and then six years later comcast SportsNet uh, basically swept me up said you you're the most recognizable face we can get you do this and i did that for 17 years before they said bye bye to me um so i've sent out two tapes got really or three tapes three great jobs um so I struggled, yes, and I did, but I didn't struggle as much as other people, just because I'm fortunate, I think, and I kept my eyes and ears open to what was going on. I didn't sit back uh, and kind of wait. I just like I just kept looking to see what was like. It's like a linebacker looking for the running back coming out of the backfield. Like where where is the next? Where is it? Where is it? And I was smart enough, I think, to, to 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 find it. And I've kept my mentors. I mean, James Brown's still a mentor to this day. Um, so, yeah, I, I struggled, but it wasn't bad um and i feel very fortunate and as i'm sure folks know you know i got not renewed in june of 2018 by nbc sports washington and that was a shock to the system for sure um but now i call golf on pga tour radio i'm doing voiceover work and there's still some stuff that i uh, i want to do in the market um, but the, but the business has changed now so you know the local sports departments aren't really doing sports anymore
0: right so so tell us maybe a little bit about your thoughts on some upcoming projects.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I have been people, you know, it's weird doing I mean, people have, since I left NBC sports, Washington, you gotta do a podcast. You gotta do a podcast. I'm like, you know, can you make money at it? Cause I am the father of three, okay. two in college. I've kind of have to make some money. Uh, I did well enough that we're okay, but I'm like, it'd be nice to, you know, have a steady cash flow. Um, and so, but I put it off, I put it off cause I didn't know what, you know, Again, and that's part of not uh, being uh, well versed in what the next phase is. These podcasts, what you're doing, all of it. Um, so I put it off, and I went and played golf. I wanted to, I wanted to get good at golf and play a lot of golf and compete. I'm competing next week in the MSGA event. I, I'm like, I like to get new nerves. I like new nerves facing people I've never made uh, face for. I'm tired of losing money to you. So. Um, uh, so I, gotta, I got something coming up, I think, what we're going to do. Me and the uh, former uh, footballer, uh, Fred Smoot, uh, we did the radio for uh, ESPN 980, uh, the team at a uh, – last year, and it was golden. It was like people were like, holy crap. So we've been talking about it. So during the football season, we are going to be at a, an establishment as yet to be named. We are in the process of, of, of uh, negotiating that. And we're going to do pre-halftime and post-game show that is football centric, but certainly because it's me and Fred, we're going to go off topic. I've always loved to work in front of a live audience. Obviously with this COVID and the pandemic, it's been a strain for restaurants and bars. Um, but I think back to the days uh, of Redskins sidelines, when Glenn Brenner and Sonny Jergensen hosted that show. I was a kid who was on that show. I came in in the audience. Uh, with a Cowboys jersey on. Sonny stopped the show midway through and said, can we get this kid kicked out right now? He was kidding, but I'm like, Um, but I loved being in front of an audience. That's why I still, you know, I do stand-up comedy. Uh, I I like the feedback. So we're gonna do something that will most likely turn into a podcast as well, but we'll live stream. Uh, And, you know, there's no fans going to FedEx Field this year for football. So they've got to go somewhere, watch the games, and we're going to try to make that enjoyable for them. So I think that's one of the things uh, that we'll do. And we'll see what else. Well, see well what you else.
0: have a loyal listener in me. I've enjoyed your work here in the Washington area most of my adult life. And cool. um,
1: and you're old, so that's really impressive. And,
0: yeah, and that, <laughs> and I'm old. The, uh, and, and by the way, I just want to tell you, your these stories today about perseverance, um, this is what people want to know in business because they're facing – COVID, which it's hit everybody by surprise, and that the successful organizations have dealt with it head on, and it just Mm -hmm. is what it is, and we're going to overcome things, and we're going to go back to the why. Why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? What's our true mission, What are our long-term objectives? And um, I think our entire audience will thoroughly enjoy our discussion that we've had here, Chick. Appreciate it. Thank you. I really wanna thank you. I wanna finish with one final question. Just quickly, your thoughts in general about sports and the pandemic. What What are your thoughts here?
1: I, I feel horrible for the high school athletes uh, who have their, their 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 seasons canceled, especially those who planned on or want to play in, on the collegiate level. Um, oh, sure. So they're not getting a look. Uh, from the scouts, which is just devastating uh, for them. Um, so I, I feel for them. And just in general, anybody who's playing, any senior who's playing, not even thinking about, you know, college, you know, they want to play their senior year. Um, I feel horrible for them. Uh, it's, it, they, these are the most unusual times that we're facing. Um, I don't think that ultimately we're going to have a f- football season. Um, I think we're going to try, um, but you, I mean, we've just seen colleges are going back to school. The University of North Carolina went back for a week and said, that's it, we're not doing it because they've already seen an uh, uptick in cases, so we're going back to online. I just don't know if we can get, get it done. NBA's done a good job at the bubble, um, but I just don't know. And believe me, I mean, we need sports. Sports was there for us. You know, after nine eleven, it was like, oh, the country just in droves watched something that they could all get behind. Uh, But, but sports it's people that are close to each other. And uh, unfortunately as a country, we're not the smartest individuals in the box right now. We're not doing what needs to be done in order to, uh, get this thing out of here where, you know, and it's difficult. We all want to be, we all want to associate, we want to assemble, right? You know, we think on the golf course we're pretty safe and we have been, but we crave, not just playing, we crave the communication we can have with each other, right? And the, the fun, and we're sure. missing that. And in sports, while we certainly as a country would love to have them, and we're watching the hockey, we're watching NBA, I don't know if football's gonna work because you're gonna have 53 guys in a locker room and something's bound to happen. So uh, I feel horrible for it. Um, what's taking place, um, but let's not lose sight of you know it's the country, is really what we're talking about here and we're you know we are desensitized to the fact that we've lost 170,000 people in our in our country right. to this today. Today. Right. today today date and so that is mind-blowing when you look at it and the the horror that the families are going through so sports while we'd love to have them uh, i really would just rather see us uh know our why and yeah. getting back to full strength as a country
0: yeah well, Chick, thank you, and and by the way, thank you again for doing this. I know I've said it more than once, but I truly appreciate, um, and I know my audience will thoroughly enjoy our chance to spend a few minutes together. Um, we actually spend quite a lot of time playing golf, which is a which is a which is a great thing, and um, I uh, I look forward to seeing you over the weekend and uh, put the peg in the ground. So, I'll just
1: let me let your audience know that. Uh uh, your guy here doesn't give me strokes at all, and well, he should because he's far better than me. And I think you're a shyster on the golf course. I'm just going to say it out
0: loud. I'm just say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, Chick. Well, listen. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you shortly. Thanks, Bye, man. All right, thanks,